1: hey everybody arch here and we're talking with rich
2: what's going on rich hey arch just trying to do my uh, best James Brown impression you know he was the hardest working man in show business and i'm I'm the hardest working man in the horse racing game
1: yeah I don't doubt it man you've always got something going on oh yeah you know that's you got to pay the cost to beat the boss
2: are <laughs> no, a you... famous James Brown saying I guess I don't know I, I just watched that uh, movie I produced by Mick Jagger on, I think it was on HBO or one of those movie channels about James Brown's life. You know, last week we were talking about movies and, you know, yeah. so I said, I don't really watch a whole lot of movies. And, and then I thought about it and you know, a lot of the movies, you know, you, you see the previews and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to see that. And then when you finally see it, you're like, why did I want to see that? Right. Right. And, and for me, I find the, you know, the movies that I, I, I tend to gravitate towards are, you know, real life stories and, you know, James Brown, when you, when you watch that movie, you know, his story is pretty amazing. He literally came from nothing, a shack in the woods. I'm not even sure if he went to school. His mom left. I think she became a prostitute. His dad was not kind to him. And then he just kind of took off, got arrested for stealing a suit. And some some family took him in and, you know, he worked with that guy for pretty much the rest of his life. And it's just kind of an amazing story. And I, I think when I want to see a movie, I don't want, one of those movies that makes me want to go, you know, drink and maybe hang myself afterwards. I, I like when human creativity is used to lift us up and not pull us down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. That's cool. I haven't seen it. I'll have to check it out. James yeah. I, 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 it was a good movie. I, you know, he, he
2: felt like as a little child, um, you know, that like he was blessed and something great was going to happen to him. And it just goes to show you, if you have the power of belief and you don't give up, I, you know, you got a chance to, to become something, you know, you know, I don't want to be that guy running around, you know, with the people chasing me, the cops chasing me and shooting at me because, uh, you know, I, I, I smoke some uh, angel dusted marijuana or something. But you might not have to do that nowadays. If I just show up in the local Target without my mask on, Lori Lightfoot might have him come chase me around. <laughs> How's that going? Masks required everywhere? Yeah, and they have been for a while. The, the uh, judge just ruled against our governor and says he can no longer tell us what freedoms we do and do not have. So I don't know how that's going to hold up. The mayor, you know, after, uh, you know, a month ago of people, well, not even a month ago, a couple of weeks ago, just, you know, crazy people running the streets and robbing and stealing and looting. You know, there was no, hey, we're going to find you. In fact, they're letting a lot of people go. And now she's threatening to close down bars and stuff like that and $10,000 fines if they're not having um, a- a- adherence to the, the rules. So it's rules for some and not others. I guess we are absolutely living animal farm in 1984.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. Oh, man. Well, speaking of, some animals are more equal than others. Indeed. Yeah. Some are, especially in horse racing. Exactly. What, what are you looking at? What are we looking
2: at this Saturday? So the 4th of July fireworks on the track, uh, Belmont probably is going to have the best show and they have five, uh, stakes races. We got them all covered in our metropolitan handicap wagering guide. We'll talk about three of them today. Um, one where it's a really strong favorite in race three. We'll talk about race nine, the, the marquee race the metropolitan handicap in race 11 uh, because I think those two races can offer some value. Um, whereas the first race we got uh, in race three, which is the victory ride stakes for three-year-old fillies. Mm -hmm. That's a five-horse field, so it's kind of a skinny field. And you have a prohibitive favorite in number one, Frank's Rocket. And, you know, she's got the right running style speed, really holds up at that track, at that distance. And the post, the one horse, wins at 20%. So she's coming off the best last race, She's won – she's been the favorite in every one of her seven races, won three of them, finished second four times. So it's easy to see why the odds maker would put her at three to five. Is she vulnerable? Yeah, I'd say probably three to five, you know, is probably the right odds for her. But if someone's going to beat her, let's take a look at some of the rest of the field and try to figure out where we might find an upsetter. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we can do is look at number five, Miss Pepina. And uh, we can just toss her aside. I don't think that she has anywhere near the the quality necessary to get at the top pick. But if the someone's going to beat her, I, I kind of like the second longest shot on the board number three, Reagan's Edge. And... She's one of the more lightly raced horses in the field. Just three starts. She won her debut. She came back and finished third uh, in her in her next race at Gulfstream, and then came back in Churchill last time out and won. And she posted the second highest speed figure in the field, and she did so in a nice kind of off the off the um, off the pace kind of run where she kind of ground down and just really dug in and, and found her way to the winner's circle. And I kind of like when horses show that kind of spirit. And I think because of the kind of race that this is just five horses, uh, the five horse, who knows what that one's going to really do, where it's going to be off the break. But I would expect that Reagan's edge is going to be kind of close to the front and probably not too far back, maybe a length or two behind Frank's rocket. And if she has a pretty good, strong late run and improves uh, on that, Um, second-highest speed figure last time out. Uh, We really don't know where the top is on this horse, and she's improved in every race. So if that trend continues, 8-1 to could be uh, – and she could be the fourth favorite in a five-horse field, and I think she's just as likely as the 2 or the 4 to pull off the upset. Oh, I like it. Yeah, so the 2, it's raced five times, has four wins. Um, They've all been at Gulfstream Park. She kind of comes from, you know, she'll be in the kind of the same neighborhood as Reagan's Edge off the, you know, when they're running around the track. Um, she's got pretty good, consistent numbers. One for one at the distance, the uh, lone miss was on an off track. So if it's a hard, fast track like it's supposed to be tomorrow, I would expect up and smoke. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a five horse field. If you throw one out, you know, the other four will run somewhere first, second, third, or fourth. Um, but I, I like that horse probably. Uh, a little bit more than Center Isle, who is the uh, the second choice, did run the highest speed figure in her day de- in her debut at 100, uh, and a nice easy win. It's been really strongly bet in both races, uh, under even money odds. Uh, last time out, she just didn't fire. Had slow start, kind of just jogged around the track there afterwards. Really didn't try to get back into it, and the workouts, in a sense, have only have been bland. So. Chad Brown is a great trainer. Yeah, yeah. Joel Rosario is a good jockey, but is not his go-to jockey. Uh, he does win at 29% following uh, a disappointing uh, run as a favorite. I, uh, I, that, that, when a horse comes off the bench and doesn't really pick up where it left off, it concerns me. But clearly, minus, a, um, you know, m- minus a, an excuse, uh, Center Isle could do better. I just want to make sure she's in form um, and, and not hasn't regressed before I really want to go back into putting her in there. So Frank's rocket is probably the, the you know, a, if you're going to go out there and try to just pick one horse to bet on and, and collect, I think Frank's rocket could be the one car one horse on the card at Belmont that just gets out to a lead, runs around the track, you know, jockey may never even hit her with the whip, finds her way to the winning circle. Uh, I would probably back that up maybe with an exacta, where uh, I'm putting Reagan's Edge on top with uh, Up and Smoke on top of Frank's Rocket, and maybe you get a backdoor exacta.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dig it.
2: So then we're going to fast forward to the um, marquee race of the day, which I think is uh, race number nine. Number nine. Which is the uh, Metropolitan Handicap and in this race we have uh we we have hold on a second i'm just trying to find my place on my paperwork here no problem we have two kind of um like the top of the ladder horses in uh, number 2 Vakoma and number 3 McKenzie i mean McKenzie really is you know a you know a top of the tier type horse i think the horses run 14 times Um, in its life and 12 of the 14, uh, the horse has posted a triple digit speed figure, which is just, that's about as consistent and as elite as you get. Mm -hmm. So the horse is, um, coming out of a big race over in, uh, went to Saudi Arabia to go run in, you know, those big money races that they had over there and then uh, returned to the United States, uh, last time out and, she finished first. She won. She likes the United States. She's been in the money um, on the fast track 12 or 14 times with seven wins, uh, eight of 14, uh, 14 of 16 lifetime. She's won more money than almost the rest of the field combined. So really a really class horse. So I, I expect an, an, an even effort out of McKenzie where he's probably going to finish first or second. The horse I have on top is Vicoma. And that's the two horse run on the track. Seven times has five wins, fast track, five wins, uh, four wins and five starts in a third. And he came off the bench last time. He hadn't run since March 28th, came back to work on June 6th and just blew out the field. Ran against a field of uh, seven others, one by seven and a quarter lengths in a grade one and ran by far the best speed number in the group. And by far his best speed number. Uh, looking at his uh, limited career, but he, he's had the two-race cycle twice before. And both times, he made a nice move up in race number two compared to race number one. Mm. If he makes a move up from uh, his last number, his last race, this race might not be close. And he might even be able to really just you know take McKenzie and, and make easy work of mckenzie which is it, it's kind of stupid to even say that <laughs> but you're saying it i'm saying it. i'm putting it out there uh, if one of those two horses doesn't win and then there's two other horses in here that i, I like code of honor is uh you know, may, may be familiar with that name code of honor was uh I think the uh, last year's Kentucky Derby got disqualified into the second place Mm -hmm. position after finishing third. And he's making his second start, came off a win in his uh, last race at Belmont, ran a triple digit speed figure, which I like. The thing is, he's he's coming from off the pace. And at Belmont, uh, at this particular distance, speed does hold. And when you're coming from off the pace – in, 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 a, in, a, in a distance and surface where speed matters, you're going to run into some traffic. There's going to be a whole bunch of horses in front of you. And I, I just don't know that one coat of honor has the same class level as Vekoma and McKenzie. So he, I don't think he's at that level and he doesn't, and he doesn't have the right running style. So if he was, if he wasn't, if he was at that level or, or even wasn't at the level, but he had the right running style, whereas the other two horses that might be better did have the right running style. Then I would consider the, you know, the trip handicapping as a call, it, as they call it a, a reason to maybe move him up mm-hmm. relative to horses. He might not be as good as, but I think the other two horses, McKenzie and Vekoma are better got the, you know, the right running style, but he's too good of a horse to just leave off your ticket. Now, if there's going to be, I think, a an upset where you can get a, a price, it's number eight, Warrior's Charge. And yeah, he's, he's a 12 to 1. Brad Cox, great trainer. Florent Guru, great jockey. So you got a good combination there. Yeah. And he's run on a fast track nine times. Four wins, a second, three thirds. hmm And the lone miss was a a fourth place finish where he had the lead and it was the last race in a, in a, in a six race cycle. So, you know, that's the kind of thing where you look at it and you say, okay, the horse got tired, right? Six races without a break. Yeah. Yeah. So you can excuse that race and it wasn't the Preakness as well. So it was a, you know, a high quality race. So it wasn't like he was running against (laughs) chumps every other race. Um, He's gotten to the lead. I mean, the last one, two, three, four, five, six races, mm-hmm. he's gotten to the lead. I expect he'll be on the front uh, tomorrow, and if he can get up on the front and run a decent, uh, decent fractions, and not really be too pressed, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to take him. He's going to try to take him from gate to wire, and if he comes off the bench ready to go he might get his fifth win in 10 races. So if I was going to look for an upset, uh, I would put Warriors Charges at the top of the upset list.
1: Even at, even at the, the eighth position, you still think he's enough of a chance? Well, yeah, the eighth post, because the post yeah.
2: mat positions, there. The, the rail does win yeah. at, a, at a pretty good uh, pace, and you know the outside stuff doesn't um, win as much. But I do think that his speed is going to give him a, a crack at it. Because uh, they're going to start in that uh, that deep backstretch that we've talked about before at Belmont, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I don't really think that uh, the outside post is going to hurt him. Is he, he's he's going to be fast enough if you watch the race tomorrow. I think uh, to get to the front before the turn, and I don't really think he's going to have to stick, you know, to 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 really run much faster than the jockey wants him to go. Okay, and and, and there's really. There's really not a lot of other horses that tend to get to the lead. Like Vacoma and McKenzie like to let the, another horse uh, kind of pilot the race and they'll kind of settle in behind. And then from there, you know, show that they have the class after a patient ride and and press the button coming out of the turn and, and, and show their class then. Um, and the only other really horses, Mr. Freeze kind of can get up on the lead and endorse the six and the seven. But I, I see them kind of more as I, they don't really have the kind of front end speed that Warrior Charge has. So Warrior's Charge is more like a hundred yard sprinter out of the gates, and the other two are kind of like you know quarter milers You know they 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 they're going to be second or third and you know try to run kind of hard a little bit later on. They don't really try to get that early jump. I got you. I got you. Okay, so that's why I have. Uh, um, warriors charges is a shot the best i think long shot chance to win and okay. to round out our six picks i have network effect and mr uh, mr freeze so for an exacta you might go uh, two three eight over two three five eight and uh for a trifecta you know I, I would probably do two three eight uh, two three eight or you can throw out the eight maybe there if you want uh, over the uh, one, two, three, five, and eight. That's how I uh, might think about betting it myself.
1: Is the pool going to be big enough? You know, I, the pool should be pretty good tomorrow. Yeah. It's
2: uh, Belmont is you know a track that does attract a lot of um, betting action because it, it gets the better horses. New York circuit is uh, you know one of the better circuits along with uh, Kentucky, Florida, and California. Uh-huh. So I, I would expect. Being the fourth tomorrow, though, a lot of folks might be uh, you know out barbecuing uh, at the, it, it places where you're allowed to go to the lakes and the beach, you know family family gatherings. so I wouldn't be surprised if the pools are a little lighter than usual unless you know people are uh, sitting around together on their phones and bedding. Um, But I'm not quite sure I really what to expect in terms of what the holiday is going to do to the money pools. If I had to guess, I would guess they'll be a little lighter than usual, but Belmont still tends to attract a a pretty high pool amount. So if you're going to bet at tracks on a regular basis, you know, the New York tracks always are going to get the, the most amount of money in their pools along with Florida tracks like Gulfstream, particularly Gulfstream. Uh, Tampa, not as much plus Tampa, you get a lot of crazy numbers there. So, uh, the California tracks, whether it's Santa Anita or Del Mar, they tend to attract big money pools. And of course, Churchill and Keeneland, you know, those are probably the tracks that you can always count on there being uh, a lot of money wagered. Okay. And then, uh, you know, then from there, it kind of slides down the list.
1: Yeah. So there's no real concern. The pool is going to be, it's going to be big (laughs) enough for people like us.
2: Yeah, it's going to be big enough for people like us and,
1: you know, and everybody else. Okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining people, you know, the Zoom conferencing, or everybody's holding a sparkler on the 4th of July, just, you know, talking to each other. Just... And throwing those little popping things, right? Yeah, just throw it at the screen so it looks like you're throwing them at each other. I don't know, I was reading an article about,
2: uh, <laughs> about um, gangbangers, particularly I think the Crips I read. That they're going out and they're buying fireworks that sound like uh, gunshots, so they can like freak people out. I don't know if any of this news is real or not real, but it's just a sign of the times. So just thinking to myself, that's just wonderful.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, and I, I've heard around my name. I mean, apparently, this is a nationwide thing right now, where people are, you know, going off with of fireworks, yeah. and. I, you know i've been in I live in Chicago, which is a you know big urban area, and i I've heard fireworks every single day, I don't know for how many days in a row now, and for whatever reason, it's like okay, ten o'clock at night, no fireworks, eleven o'clock at night, no fireworks, one o'clock in the morning, boom boom boom, boom boom, two o'clock in the morning, boom it's just like what are you people doing this on purpose? To wake everybody up. or I mean, it's it's really, I think, designed to annoy the hell out of people. Okay. And it's just odd. I think, okay, you know, from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock, 8 o'clock to midnight, yeah, right. 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, what in the hell are you trying to do besides piss people off? And that might be it. That might be the goal. And that has to be the goal, right? Yeah. So around my house, always on the 4th of July, I don't know what it's like where you are, but, uh, you know, I've been... I live in my house now for fifteen years, and every year on the Fourth of July it usually starts around dusk and I'm, I'm telling you the fireworks go on and 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 on, oh, on, yeah. and on. Oh, yeah. I think I wake
1: up, I go to sleep to them and I wake up to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, and it's like that here too
2: uh, well i mean it's a, it's a good celebration for now until the it's taken away. <laughs> We'll just surprised. let
1: that, we'll just let that
2: hang right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm reading things about stuff like that where people are making demands that it goes away. So I, I don't know.
1: <sighs> what I can't even times. believe
2: people entertain those thoughts, but eh, it's, it's, it is what it is.
1: Yeah.
2: All right. So our next race is race number 11. It's a one and a quarter miles on the main track and it's the suburban stakes for $200,000. Uh, you got a field of, um, I think, what is it, eight, nine that are running?
1: Yeah, eight.
2: Eight, yes, that are going to run a mile and a quarter on the main track. And this is a race where, um, again, you have a, a brand name horse, number one, Tacitus.
1: Who, Sounds familiar. Uh,
2: yeah, he, you know, he ran last year in the Kentucky Derby, ran last year in the Belmont, finished second in the Belmont, finished fourth, disqualified into. Uh, Third at the Kentucky Derby, definitely a quality horse. He is the, um, I think, a morning line favorite, but I, I do think he's vulnerable to, um, to not winning. And I have Mr. Buff, you know, every guy's uh, aspiration to be uh, as the winner. So, horse that, again, you know, speed, we're talking about speed, speed, and speed. So, speed does win here. Although, this is. Um, an interesting one, because the race starts on the turn. Oh. So usually the turn, so you, if you tune in tomorrow, you'll see it starts about a third of the way through the first turn. Th- that typically gives the inside horse, the inside horses, um, an advantage. Mm-hmm. So the one uh, will be on the inside. Tacitus has shown a tactical speed. So I, I do think that, um, you know, he won't be too far off the pace. He's coming from that twenty million dollar race where he finished fifth um, uh, over in Saudi Arabia. So, I mean, clearly he's a quality horse. Came back to the United States, ran in the Oakland Handicap, Grade Two, finished a disappointing uh, fourth. So, you know, maybe he's uh, maybe he's not back in his best form at the moment. He hasn't recovered from that trip to Saudi Arabia. But Mister Buff is making his, his second start off the break after running a. Pretty good race last time out, kind of slipped a little bit in the stretch and then fought back uh, to get second after bobbling at the start. Um, prior to that, he won three races in a row, and the closest any horse was to one was five lengths. In fact, before he came back to break, he won his last race by 20 lengths. Oh, wow. <laughs> just so, yeah, barely. Just, just
1: barely. Skin of his
2: teeth. <laughs> it was Just like the other horses didn't even run or something. like They all stayed in the gate.
1: Yeah.
2: So he has a tendency to either win by a lot uh, or get blown out. So like the, the time he didn't finish in the money. So he's he's not finished in the money um, twice in the last 10 races. And he finished 10th by 13th, just oh, yeah. bad race. And then uh, he finished seventh by six and a half. He got bumped at the break. So he had an excuse in that one. And it was the last race in the four race cycle. So again, maybe a little bit of tired legs. This is just his second race, and uh, he should do pretty well. I would expect he'll improve in the second race. And I I think despite the fact that they're going to be starting a third way on the turn, the two horses to his inside, besides Tacitus, the one, uh, Parsimony, and Forewarned, both of them are laggards. They're not going to get off to quick starts. So he should have no problem clearing the two and the three. Yeah. And either running, uh, you know, right up on Tacitus, and I think he'll have no problem clearing Tacitus either, uh, because he tends to be a little bit more tactical at the start than aggressive. So I, I would, I would see uh, uh, Mr. Buff getting to the lead and perhaps shaking free, and you know, maybe getting a length or two or three in front of everybody else. And if he gets into the stretch with the lead, uh, you know, he's closed out. Six of the last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six of the last seven times he got to the stretch with the lead. And, and I, I think he'll enter the stretch uh, most likely on the lead or second. And, you know, if he's three or four lengths ahead of everybody else, once they go into stretch, I don't think anyone's going to catch him. Mm, okay. And then behind those two, um, I'm looking at uh, the eight horse, Moretti. And this is a horse that... Tried Belmont for the first time last time out, was a sloppy track, so it's a little bit of an iffy play, but he did run the highest last speed rating, and it was a substantial jump from his previous high. So maybe he's a real fan of the sloppy track, possible, or maybe he's found his other gear, possible, or perhaps he could bounce. If he runs the same race he just ran, he's going to definitely be a, a competitive horse, and he'll he'll fight with Mr. Buff for the lead. Okay. Um, But because he's outside at the eight post, I think he's going to struggle to get that lead. But again, most of the stuff to his inside, except for maybe um, Jovia and Mr. Buff, he should be able to clear pretty easily. So I would expect that he'll be at worst third coming out and coming out of that first turn. And you know, if they can run decent fractions and that last race is an indication that the horse has found its stride,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then it, it, it five to one offers some pretty good value. Um, I would expect, honestly, I, I think the odds will probably go up on this horse, not down. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him six to one, maybe or higher, um, because he's stepping up in class and that one race kind of stands out relative to the rest. Gotcha. And gotcha. Fourth pick yeah. is uh, Sir Winston. Number six, seven to two. This horse actually ran at Belmont um, last year and won a, a pretty significant race there, otherwise known as the Belmont Stakes. I've heard of that. Yes, indeed. You got the same combination there of Mark Cass and uh, Joel Rosario as the jockey. Uh, Rosario's been on the horse three times in the last ten races. He's got two a pair of seconds and he's got a win. Hey with that win, of course, being the Kentucky Derby. In that race, Sir Winston did get the better of Tacitus. In um, the last two races, he's done pretty well, too. He's finished second, and, he, and he's got a W. So he's definitely in good form. He lost to Moretti last time by five and a quarter lengths. He's outside. Uh, he's inside, but he's not speed, so he's going to be behind Moretti again. Uh, so if they run the same exact races again, he'll probably finish behind him again, although you know, clearly Sir Winston has the um, – you know the, the better history, the better resume with the Belmont Stakes win on his on you know
1: on there. Um, so but- is, is, is is Sir Winston? Is he on the downslope of his career? Is that how we're reading this? No, I just think that the race doesn't really set up right for him. Okay,
2: because it's uh, you know speed tends to hold. Yeah. He'll be coming from off the pace. If he's coming from off the pace, you know he's going to have uh, some some really good horses in front of him. You know Tacitus will probably be in front of him. Mister Buff will be in front of him. So if you got two horses that are in front of you that are, you know, of equal quality, so it'd be like you and me in a, in, you know, in a race, if you and I are, I'm probably a little bit faster than you, but yeah, probably. Um, you know, if you gave me a five yard head start and we ran a hundred yard dash, you know, if we're evenly speed, have even speed, you're not going to catch me in 95 yards. No, no, no. So kind of the same thing here. I think he's going to be behind those horses. Unquestionably, those horses are, as good if not better so
1: you know they have an advantage yeah i just see him coming a little bit heavier than the other guys too it Looks like his mm. weight is a little bit bigger i just thought maybe he's getting a little old getting a little slower getting a little fatter like everybody you know listen to the podcast
2: sure we're all getting slower mentally from listening to this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which uh, sometimes i feel like uh, that's the case when i'm listening to some music like really it's just it's just making me dumber <laughs> So in any case, so I'm looking at this, uh, at, at, you know, I think you can kind of sing, you can, I think either Tacitus or Mr. Buff is likely to produce the winner. Yeah, um, I'm leaning because of the running style to Mr. Buff, maybe having a chance to run away with the race. So you can do a trifecta or an exacta. Maybe you can put Mr. Buff on top and then put the, you know, the one, the six, seven, and eight uh, underneath. Uh, if you want a little bit more coverage, you know, one, four, Tacitus, Mr. Buff uh, with the one, uh, four, six, and eight. Trifecta, you know, I, I, I have a one, four, eight with the one, four, six, eight with one, four, six, seven, eight. That, so you like I, I Just whistle, whistle as well? What's that? Just Whistle, number seven? Yeah, he's my first alternate pick. Okay. Um, the seven, and then uh, number five, Jovia is the uh, second alternate pick. Okay. I, I think the seven can maybe get up for a piece late. He's another one that likes to kind of run in the middle of the pack and, and close up. He's just 10 races on the hard surface. I mean, he's been in the money five times, it's only 50% that he hits the board. Uh, two wins and three seconds mm-hmm. he's run. You know, the distance once didn't really do well. So, it, you know, it's just maybe a late surge against some tired, fast legs. Horses that try to maybe overextend brings him up into third or fourth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't really see him as a threat to win. Okay. And, okay. and I just guarantee that he's going to cross the line first. <laughs> <laughs> right, the kiss of death. There it is. So that wraps up uh, you know, our picks. Of course, we got them all covered. We have a wager guide that covers yeah. all five of the, uh, the, of the stakes races at Belmont. There's a handful of other stakes races on July 4th. It's kind of a quiet day, I think, because of the holiday, but still full cards worth of racing uh, for Saturday. Sunday, there's some good races too uh, at Prairie, uh, Prairie Meadows. Had a nice conversation with the uh, on-air TV talent there yesterday. We'll be uploading that podcast a little later on. And our thoughts on those three races uh, or four races tomorrow that they have over there are stakes races in, in central Iowa, Nice place. I drove by there once on my way to Overland, Kansas, and it uh, looked like a really nice place to go.
1: Mm, yeah. So Iowa like, seems I very nice, 80. unless it's winter.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. Winter, I mean, it's not much different than Chicago weather, but you know, winters definitely are awful up here at times.
1: <laughs> I never thought I was going to die, like I was just driving down the interstate in Iowa during the winter. I thought, this is it. I can find Yeah, you just see cars flipped over into the side of the road, just from the wind yeah. yeah from the wind well i grew up in pennsylvania
2: where um yeah, where, where where i grew there was mountain well the, we call them mountains but people who live by real mountains call them hills yeah but you know there were mountains where we grew up in and um when it would when, when the winter would come the backside of the mountains would almost always be icy mm. so when you're coming down the mountains. So many times you would see trucks just you'd be on the highway and trucks would just go, you know, perpendicular to the road, sliding down and all their cars off into the ditch. So you you really everybody should have to learn how to drive a stick shift in in a place like that. Then you become a great driver. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: I miss my I miss my stick shift. I need to get one. I'll let that there yeah all right all right just let we'll let you let it hang long enough yeah no
2: that was uh that's how i learned how to drive a stick shift it was definitely fun yeah i uh it was definitely fun driving a stick shift because you can definitely uh,
1: a little bit more edgy driving yeah no doubt all right so we hit the horses we hit uh cars what else you got going on you're doing golf you said right earlier yeah i'm looking at my fantasy golf team um I draft kings
2: got one guy right now that has to play well today mr gordon who played really well last week got off to a bad start yesterday bogeyed the first three holes and then subsequently had uh, six birdies and two more bogeys so I'm, I'm hoping that he can throw out the the bogeys and yeah. and do all birdies today and get all six of my guys through the cut and have a shot of all of them being, you know, close to the top ten, and, and maybe be a millionaire Monday morning.
1: Hey, I'd like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would like that too. Drinks
1: are on rich. Yes, indeed. I'll send everybody a uh, a uh, a ticket for a drink somewhere. There, there you, go. you post your golf picks anywhere, or is this just?
2: just... I, you know, I was posting them, um mm-hmm. and but usually I want to have a couple of rounds of of. Uh, under the people's belt so i can start to get a sense of how everybody's playing yeah and so that the numbers a little bit more so we'll probably start posting again next week okay uh, i'm not quite sure where we're going to post them though because there's some other we're we doing some sports picks and stuff like that and you know we'll be doing that again and when the baseball and all that other stuff starts to pick up but i'm thinking about just doing uh, isoing up a uh, like a, a daily fantasy uh, website where you know my son and I are excel whizzes we run everything through excel and yeah. uh have it then k- kind of spit out who's going to score what based upon some uh, st- <laughs> some studies i've read i you know there's some really great the internet's awesome and awful at the same time and on the awesome side of it is the uh there's a lot of great research that's available for free and, and it really stuns me that PhDs at these, you know, high-end universities like Stanford and Harvard actually get money grants uh, from our, from our tax dollars to go study stuff like fantasy golf or fantasy football. And, you know, they go back and they dig through all the numbers and they come back and say, okay based upon this, you know, this is a way that, uh, you know, a strategy that you can use that actually uh, produces a profit. And I'm, I'm a stupid geek I guess in that way and uh, or maybe I'm just motivated by money and want to find a way to make a few easy bucks and I go read these 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 greek looking reports and I have to pull my son over and say, What do all these Greek symbols mean for the math problems? And then once he explains it to me, I understand and can. And, and the only reason they do that, they use those Greek letters, is to confuse the hell out of everybody else who doesn't use them because it's just simple math like you've learned in high school. Mm-hmm. But in order to look smarter, you have to put like the sigma signal and all that stuff in there.
1: Right, right. It's secret language. Yeah, it is. It's code, you know, it's yeah. the pinky shake. Right, right. Like with lawyers and judges and. And financial advisors, they'll have yeah, their and, and all that kind of stuff. Right?
2: <laughs> so I, uh, you know, so I go through all this. So we're we're thinking about it, you know we we actually do it and it produces good numbers and, you know, the thing is I, I always have a sheet of integrity where you know I'm only putting in one and you get these other folks who are putting in hundreds and hundreds of sheets. So it's kind of more you know it's kind of difficult. Um, but so many times last year during like the NFL season. You know, my son and I would have. I think there is like I don't remember the number because it's not in front of me. But I think you have like seven or eight players on your roster. We would have six of the players that the millionaire winner had, and just off by two. So you always have that kind of lure of being so close, but so, so one far of these away. days I figure I'm gonna I'm gonna put it together. Actually, I did once on a golf tournament. So many many years ago, before DraftKings and FanDuel, some other company had the same idea, but instead of um, you know. Having everybody put money in like a poker game Mm -hmm. and then, you know, and then they take their cut and then split the cut, you know, amongst the top 20% of performers. They just went out and got advertisers, I guess, or sponsors to say, okay, if you win the tournament, you get X, Y, Z dollars. If you finish second, you get X, Y, Z so the, the the pool totals were much smaller, but the winner was supposed to get something like I don't know fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars, something like that. Still, and there was a pool of like a hundred thousand people in it, and I ac- actually won the damn thing. No shit! Wow! Yeah, and then they went out of business, and I didn't collect. <laughs> oh no! You never got paid? No. Oh, so fuck. the one time I you know I I hit my one in a hundred thousand odds thing with a
1: sheet of integrity it caused the company
2: to go out of business.
1: There it is. We got to come up with a term for that, like, you know, the bad things that happen when you should be kicking ass, like we we should call it like beagle-miring or something. Just you, you know. just got beagled. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you
2: could play you could take a play off my first name Rich and just say I got dick, but I don't like that too obvious.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking yeah, you you told the story about the the, you know, you only won just a like a couple hundred bucks off a horse racing ticket that should have paid huge and and then, you know, companies shut down before they pay you. It just... Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of crazy, like, weird things that I just... Yeah. You
2: know, I'm, I wonder if I'm, like, the opposite of James Brown. Like, he, he felt blessed. And, I, you know, I'm, I, I have, like, odd events is my uh, is my life DNA. You know? Right. I, 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 I'm the only person I know that actually was driving a car and ran into a bear. Have you ever met anybody that that's, no. that's happened to? No. Yeah. So, I was coming home from... Uh, a softball game back in the days of Pennsylvania. And like I said, it's kind of, you know, it, it's mountainous mm-hmm. for uh, Pennsylvanians and hilly for Coloradians. And so anyway, I was coming down. Um, it was kind of like this little valley, if you will. So I was, I was coming down and another car was coming down the other side, but it was a little bit higher than I was. So its lights were like right in my eyes. And I looked off to my left and I thought I saw a dog running at me. And it ran right in front of my car, and I hit it, and bam. And I was like, damn, that was one big ass dog because it was, you know, stood higher than the, the grill of the car. And then I sat there for a minute and thought about it. And I said, man, that, that, that wasn't a dog. That was a black bear. Oh, jeez. And then my car stalled along the side of the road. And I was thinking, oh, I got to get out and see if I can get this thing to start again. And then I sat there and thought about it for a minute, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't get out of the car because right now there's an injured bear. And if you know anything (laughs) about injured bears, they're not too friendly. So if I were to get out and the bear were in the area, well, I probably wouldn't be here on this conversation. And if I were, I would certainly be much, you know, I'd be disfigured by bear claws. I sat there for about a half an hour. My car finally started up again. I went, you know, I drove home. The front end was demolished. And when I'm telling you, I had, I had pelts. Oh God! black bear hair in my radiator oh. and uh so we called the game warden and they, you know because again an injured bear on the loose in in a residential area even though it was rural but you know there's houses and stuff around there yeah and they, they went hunting for him they never found him so they figured that he, you know he either it didn't hurt him which would be hard to believe or you know he crawled off somewhere and you know and passed away which you know i felt bad about that but you know there's nothing i can do he just jumped out in front of me at 50 miles an hour
1: <laughs> well yeah you've had a lot of interesting interesting things happen huh yeah that that's
2: just to me crazy but and it was that's that's wild running into a bear
1: yeah
2: outside of that you know i'm sure i think of some other crazy things that happened to me in my lifetime for future podcasts but right now I'm, the ct is kind of kicking in and you know i'm kind of blank <laughs> yeah <sighs> speaking of blank how the stock's going you know, actually, this week kind of shocked me. To be honest with you, I, I was looking at the um, the charts, and last week we talked, and I was a little apprehensive about the way the things were shaping up. Yeah, and you know, it was the indexes were pressing against, um, you know, some some important support levels, and if they broke, you know, it was looking at maybe a ten to twelve percent, um, you know, profit taking mm-hmm. correction,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and. States were closing. I figured, well, you know, it's just not looking good. And, and you know, you, you still have the states shutting down, but those jobs numbers are pretty strong. And so the markets responded positively to that. Now you have the, the NASDAQ trading at all-time highs. And, you know, one of the things I've coined is that the uh, NASDAQ is the Mary of the markets. Where it goes, the other sheep are sure to follow.
1: <laughs> okay. And Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, usually because the technology, like the leading companies, you know, the leading edge stuff is in the Nasdaq. So it tends to out. When it tends to be the top performing index, the markets tend to do well. And when it's not the top performing index, is usually when the markets run into a little bit of trouble. So it's been the top performing index. It's you know all time high, and it's probably going to drag the S and P and Dow with it, unless uh, you know these things with the COVID really start to pick up steam and, you know, states start to really clamp down on the, uh, you know, on their openness.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's tough to tell. Who knows what's going to happen there?
2: Well, yeah, because I, w- I, w- I was reading that a lot of, um, you know, a lot of these jobs that were, 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 that were recreated or, you know, regained mm-hmm. are in, like, the hospitality because that's where most of them were lost. So it just makes sense. Right. And some of those very same companies that just reopened and, you know, started to rehire um, are, you know, perhaps going to shut back down again. So some of those same people might be right back where they were, you know, in, in, in another couple of weeks. Well,
1: that's good. They got, yeah, they got, they got one good paycheck out of the whole thing. Maybe two.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I went out to eat. My brother was in town last night. He's a pilot. He flies merchandise stuff all around the, all around the globe. And so he was in town last night. Once in a while, he stops in Chicago from Anchorage. And he uh, he lives in Atlanta, but I guess they fly everything internationally. He says goes through Anchorage, Alaska, which is their airport, I guess, is one of the busiest busiest in the world. Hmm. So we went out to eat uh, at a place by his hotel last night. Um, Bill Murray, the the, uh, comedian, actor, he has a place called Caddyshack. So we went there to eat. Uh, out in Rosemont, Illinois, and when we went in, they had just opened a couple of days ago. So we were talking to the hostess, and she's like, "Oh yeah, we've been open you know, today. I had five tables, which was five more tables than I had yesterday. So even the stuff that is opening appear like, appears as if though it's not opening that fast. Right,
1: right. Oh man, yeah, interesting times to say the least." Yep,
2: they are, but it's okay. It's fun. At least, to you know, there's something to talk about, something to write about, <laughs> something to contemplate. Hey, I'm happy we got
1: some baseball to talk about. I, I'm so pumped. They better be able to pull this off.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, the, and I've been putting my numbers together too, compliments of, uh, you know, your your instruction to be looking for, you know, some uh, important data points to figure out who's going to win so I can figure out where to put my money.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully you can do well. Sixty games can be—it's gonna be exciting. I don't know what to make of it, but it'll, it'll be. Yeah, something. I was looking at projected wins. Have you looked at some of those? Well, we talked about totals the other day. Yeah, so mm-hmm. on the podcast. Well, I was looking the, yesterday.
2: I saw some projected wins from like Fangraph or something like mm-hmm. that. And oh, okay, like all the divisions, like three or four teams in a lot of divisions were within the, within like a game or two of each other at oh, the yeah. you know, in their projected wins at mm-hmm. the end of the year. So the whole
1: playoff run thing could be kind of really crazy yeah it's going to be really exciting and of course it's going to be one or two games i mean hell some t- <laughs> some divisions aren't even even close to being settled by the all-star break
2: and we've got oh, no i don't think yeah this is gonna be crazy no I, I think yeah i think it's gonna be crazy so they're they were projecting like a lot of teams to be like you know 33 and 27 somewhere in that range yeah five six games over 500 and you know a lot of other teams to be one or two games right behind them so it, it's it should be uh it should be a wild year. You know, any team that gets off to like the 1984 Detroit Tigers and wins, you know, you know 16 or 17 <laughs> of their first 20, probably in a really good spot to make it to the playoffs. Oh, no doubt. But what do you think it's going to
1: do to trades? <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. When is the trade deadline now that they're... I haven't, you know, really read about that, yeah, but I you know either. teams
2: every year come to that conclusion. Are we buyers or sellers? Usually mm-hmm. a little bit after the all-star break. <laughs> yeah. So, I would think that they'll probably plant it right like in the middle of the year, maybe after 30 games. And would seem to be the most logical place to put it, right? Yeah, well,
1: it should be. Yeah. But, you know, if it's the most logical, that means baseball probably won't do it like that. No, they'll probably put it after like 40 games, I would guess. Right. right. Maybe after 50 with only
2: 10 left, which, I, you know, for sellers, that would be awesome, right? With only 10 games left. Teams okay. that have a chance, you probably really get to, able to uh, get your. <laughs> People to
1: overpay for your good players, (laughs) and the Royals being the Royals, they'll they won't trade any assets they have. They'll just sit on them all. Is that your team, the Royals? Oh yeah, yeah, Uh,
2: yeah. Well, it could be the Cardinals too, right? A lot of folks like fuck that,
1: rich, goddamn.
2: That's your uh, that's your hated team. huh? like Chicago Uh, with the White Sox. Yeah, yeah,
1: or like Chicago with the with the Cardinals.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think the fans are all that angry with the Cardinals. I think they really, you know, most Cub fans I know. they're not too anti-cardinal, really. Must not, not have met anybody from St. Louis before. Yeah, I've been down to St. Louis, but like you don't really see um, like people fighting in the stands or anything like that when the Cubs well, and Cardinals no, play. No. They seem to get along pretty well. No, maybe because they've played together so you know baseball. You play teams so many times that it's not you know one and done kind of thing like football. So you get like the Steelers and in the in, in the Bengals where you're only playing in the, that one stadium one time and, you know, real hate starts to emerge. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, they seem to get along really well, the Cardinals fans and the Cubs fans. I haven't, you know, I've been to many games. I haven't seen, you know, one Cardinal fan get the daylights knocked out of them <laughs> for being a Cardinal fan. But, you know, the White Sox and the Cubs fans, they they don't even get along in
1: the offices with each other. Oh, wow. Okay. it's good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, baseball, horse racing, cars, bears, stocks, and, everything. And James, so in terms of stocks, I you know I did a lot of research this week, and the only thing I
2: found is a company I wouldn't buy, which oh. is Groupon. But they had an insider buy there, and I kind of looked at it, and they did a reverse split recently, uh, where you got one share for every twenty that you've had before. And you know, some studies that they're kind of old though show that those companies tend to really underperform hmm. for the next three years. My own personal experience with reverse splits has been they suck. Um, so despite the fact that an insider bought about $5 million worth of stock, I think, um, well, he bought 250000 yeah, about $5 million bucks. I don't remember the exact number, but he bought once before and it didn't work out well for him. And after doing my research, I think it's, he might have the same fate this time
1: around. <laughs> I yeah, Groupon right now. I don't know anything about it. I just know that everybody who probably uses Groupon is still afraid to go outside.
2: Could well be. Yeah, that's my. Get your thought. haircut and stuff like that, huh?
1: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I just think I know the ladies that I've heard talk about Groupon. They're still the ones that are inside. They're not going outside yet. <laughs> well, you should share that information with the CEO.
2: You know, he's actually the director now. He was a founder and. Uh, uh, I felt like writing them off and saying, look, man, you can just hand me the million. I'll save you a couple million bucks, yeah. and we'll call it a day. There you go. I like it. Hopefully, my golfers will do the same for me. Then don't have to bother them. <laughs> yeah, the sounds fun. good.
1: All right, man. Anything else we need to
2: know before I kick you out of here? That's it. Just uh, going to celebrate the 4th. Everybody be safe. And if you hear some, uh, you know, some gunshots off in the distance, just know that's probably... Uh, <laughs> fireworks designed to sound like gunfire nonetheless be safe stay covid free and good luck at the races
0: information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations under no circumstances will the owner operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents